0: What's up everybody? Welcome to episode 2 of The MisShow Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, my name is Vincent. Tonight we're dissecting First Artist Features Uptown Saturday Night, starring Sidney Poitier, Bill Cosby, Harry Belafonte, Flip Wilson, Richard Pryor, Calvin Lockhart, and Paula Kelly. Paula Kelly
1: Well, this I not exactly having an easy either, me for some big, ugly cat with a beard and a mustache. Well, I can understand Shut how they... Shut up! We're not going to do this stuff, no one. Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby. A couple of regular guys trying to hit the big time. What's on that paper? A letter of introduction. From who? I wrote it myself. Before the big time hits them. Riding with the tide. All right! And flowing with the flow.
0: If you get bored out here and you're looking for some real excitement, there is always the room with the red door in the back. What's in there? Happiness.
1: Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby, easing their way. Uptown Saturday night. All right, freeze! Everybody, hands up! High as you can get it! Everybody, slip down their underwear! You two, lady? I don't wear underwear. Can I get an amen? Amen. You see what I saw? Yes, I saw what you saw. And don't be worried about nothing, because if you do mess with me, I'm going to knock him out. If you all don't tell me everything I want to know, we're going to beat all the black off both of you. Just let some cat look funny at me and see if I ain't on this case. Because my money is in this place. I get mean when you mess with my green. What you want to know? And first artists present Sidney Poitier, Bill Cosby, Harry Belafonte, Flip Wilson, and Calvin Lockhart in Uptown Saturday Night. Hey, fool! You can't swim!
0: I believe I just listed all of the actors in in the order that they are 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 in the credits of Uptown Saturday Night, which is Vince's favorite movie.
1: And it was very impressive. You all can't see it, but he wasn't looking at
0: notes when he did that. (laughs) Now, I do have a question, though. Yes. You didn't say Rosalind Cash. I did not say Rosalind Cash, who plays... uh, Madam Zenobia. No, is is, is Rosalind Cash Madam Zenobia? She is Madam Zenobia. Oh, now I'm trying to draw, I'm drawing a blank. You on, know what? On who plays. Who played his, Sidney Portier's wife. Is Rosalind Cash Sidney Portier's wife? Ro- I think Rosalind Cash is Sidney Portier's wife. wife. And of Zenobia Nobia is,
1: um is Lee Chamberlain. You're right. It's Lee you Chamberlain. You're right. You right for this to be my favorite movie.
0: <laughs> but you're right, Rosalind Cash is his wife. Right. That's right. Yeah, see, so you, you threw me for a loop there. I, I was know. like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Alright, alright. So yeah, so this is also this is Vince's favorite movie of me, all time.
1: It is my favorite movie of all time. We were we were talking about movies and we were talking about, you know, Bill Cosby and we were talking about what what am I willing to let go and what am I what do I want to keep and and I realized Uptown Saturday Night and, you know, really this whole trilogy, you know, the loose trilogy of Uptown Saturday Night, Let's Do It Again, and A Piece of the Action. Right. But, but Uptown Saturday Night, for reasons we will
0: discuss in great detail, is one of my my favorite movies. I think one of the reasons, uh, one of the things that may play a part in it is when we were first introduced to the film. Like, I was introduced to the movie um, back when I was, wow, I must have been about... Maybe nine, maybe ten years old. It was playing at the Walton Theater here in Philadelphia. Um, the long be gone Walton Theater. I went with a bunch of friends, probably Richie and Boo Boo from Batman and my Rittenhouse Street days, and watched it for like about a dollar in the movies. Not really having a full grasp on who Bill Cosby and Sidney A were, you know, just knowing that they looked familiar. But just falling in love with that, with that, uh, with that movie and just laughing out loud with that movie. And and I think because I did see it at a, such a young age, and because it was at a theater where I could literally sit in there and watch it three times in a row without leaving, is one of the reasons why it left such an indelible mark. Me, how about you? Well, I didn't see it in the movies, but it seemed like it was ran saying I'm older than you. No, not at all. Not not
1: at all. We we just didn't you know, I'm just from Baltimore. So so by the time I was nine or ten, you know, ten, eleven, now you're you're moving into the eighties, there weren't a whole lot of theaters like that. Very true. So but I I saw it a lot on television. It seemed like they ran them perpetually. Right. So so you know, certainly by the time I was eight or nine. Right. I had seen Uptown Saturday Night at least two or three times, and then you know since then I've watched it once or twice every year, just mm. because I enjoy it so much. Right. All right. So we should probably, for those of you who haven't seen Uptown Saturday Night, Uptown Saturday Night stars Sydney Portier and Bill Cosby. Uh, Sydney Portier plays uh Steve Jackson. Steve Jackson. Steve Jackson, a working man, <laughs> and Wardell Franklin. Is his friend, played by Bill Cosby, a taxi ju- a taxi driver? And the, the the film begins on the first day of um, Sidney Poitier's character's vacation, and they decide to go out and go to Madame Zenobia's, which is a hot spot. It's it's an underground club hot spot. The two of them go, have a great time, and as they're having a the time, Madame Zenobia's is robbed. Um, come to find out, spoiler for a 30-year-old movie, robbed by a Silky Slim, mm-hmm. played by the great Calvin Lockhart. We don't know this at the time when he robs the place, you know, everyone's in a mask, but they robbed the place and, you know, so on and so forth. And while this is bad, what makes it incredibly worse is that the next day, Steve Jackson is reading the newspaper and looking at the number.
0: As one does. (laughs) Yes. Yes. As one does back in 1974. Right, right. (laughs) Realizes that he has hit the
1: number for, I believe, it's $10,000. No, it was for $50,000. $50,000, which in 1974 is approximately $8 billion, I believe. (laughs) Yes. I believe that translates to $8 billion. Yes,
0: certainly $8 billion in that part of town.
1: Exactly. But (laughs) he realizes that the ticket is in his wallet. Which
0: was lifted at Madame Zenobia's,
1: and thus the adventure begins. <laughs> they have to find the wallet.
0: Yes, yes, it does, and it take this takes them to um, retracing their steps to Madame Zenobia's, running into uh, Leggy Peggy, played by Paula Kelly, um, who had the hottest streak of her life going that night at yes, Man of yes, yes. so much so she sprinkles an
1: n-word in there which was shocking the, you, really
0: i don't know why you thought it was that shocking i mean for for uptown saturday night it was not that shocking for <laughs> uptown saturday night are you out of your mind are you out of your mind at that at that time 1974 the n-word was loosely sprinkled <laughs> in almost every film <laughs> From uh, Uptown Saturday Night to I think The Adventures of Robin Hood, all <laughs> Disney's. I mean, there were there the N word was everywhere. Nobody actually says it in The Adventures of Robin. Hood. No, they don't. Yeah. They do, but you
1: know, I think that speaks to part of of what fascinates me about this film. I, I think you you know, yes, I just just unabashedly, I love this film and and I enjoy it and and you know, we we've talked about the the two characters chasing this MacGuffin and they go from place to place and you have all of these wonderful actors and, 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 and musicians and talents and they play these roles and they come in. So, you know, you have Flip Wilson mm-hmm. is in a couple of scenes, uh, Richard Pryor is in a wonderful scene, yes um, which, you know, kind of goes without saying, you know, we talked about, uh, Paula Kelly, Roscoe Lee Brown, and they just go from place to place, scene to scene. And it, it just seems like everyone is having such a good time but as we've sort of alluded to that that you know we've we've been watching this since we were fairly small children it is you know dare i say almost a family friendly film like i think it's rated pg mm-hmm. but you know you know as fathers and i think you'll agree with me, like you you know you look at things like you know can my kid watch this and it really is a very light and frothy film yeah for the most part for the i mean you know there there's no real sex There's no real violence. I mean, there is, but it has this comedic kind of tinge to it. Yes. And I think when you look at it within the um, the context of 70s black movies, so called black exploitation films, I suspect, or I've always read that this was a conscious choice by the filmmakers. Uh, The Sydney Portier, Sydney Portier actually directs this. Yes, it is. And this is his second directorial effort. And you have, you know, as, as if you kind of listen to the the, the um, characters that we're talking about, the, the actors rather. These are actors who are, to a certain extent, older or certainly pre-black exploitation Hollywood. Mm, okay. Think yeah. about it. Bill Cosby had been famous for ten years since OSPA, almost ten years in '74. Sidney Poitier is the original respectable Negro. That's true. Harry Belafonte. Uh, Flip Wilson is is, you know, from that stand up world. Right. Kind of pre. So, you know, you have all of these voices and, you know, I think it was a real thing that there was this conversation at the time about these black movies. Um, Just to put this into context, as you said, this is 1974. Um, we talk about the beginning of the black exploitation period with Sweet Sweetback's Bad Song. That's 1971. Shaft, 1971 as well. Superfly, 1972. Yes. So by 1974, we are well into... We're deep into it. We are now into this period. And if you kind of look at old, like if you do the research... Nobody can see me doing the hard quote, the hard quotes. They can research, feel them. They can but, feel them. They feel, like feel those quotations. You, but if you do the research of reading like your parents or your grandparents, depending on how old you are, me and me and Linus our parents. <laughs> 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 if you read your parents' jets in Ebony's and you flip through. But it really is. It's yeah. This yeah. amazing conversation going on. Yeah. As it's happening. Right. About whether, or, you know, it's the same conversation. Like we have the same conversation, it's a generational over, it's, conversation, right, it's respectability politics. Yes. How does this look to the outside world? What are we going to do? And this conversation goes on about these movies. Right. So then in the midst of it, you get uptown Saturday night, which, you know, again, it's very light. It's very airy. It is, um, you know, we said at the beginning, kind of jokingly, Steve Jackson works at a factory. Yes, <laughs> Wardell is a cab driver. Like these are ordinary men. Yes, and you much. know they're they not chasing after broads and taking out Mister Big and and you know stopping the 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 um the smack
0: from coming into the neighborhoods. Right, and they're not they're not in there just you know complaining about the man. Right, you know trying to keep him down. Right, you right. Know, they just trying to live day to day to day. Live day to day. He hit the lottery. Exactly. He wants his lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. And what's he want to do with the money? I forget. What does he want to do? He wants to buy his lady a house in Georgia. Oh, that's right. That's right. His big butt lady. This big butt lady. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a touching scene. I know some people may look at it, you know, depending on your perspective, may look at it such a a, a differently. But the scene in the beginning early in the film between uh, Sidney Poitier and Rosalind, Rosalind Cash uh, as his wife, which for the most part establishes their relationship right there because, you know, for the rest of the movie, it's a buddy movie between mm-hmm. him and Bill Cosby. Um, but that scene between the two of them, just almost having like a, it feels like a Saturday morning, just conversation, you know, um, just reminiscing about, you know, how they met, what the, each of them means to one another was playful. It was, um, it was, it was, Romantic. It was sweet. It was, to be honest, some of the best written dialogue in this movie. Right, right. And just perfectly well acted. I just, I, I just really enjoyed that scene. I actually watched that scene and rewound it again just to watch it again.
1: You know, it's funny. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful scene. And, and like you said, he's he, he's recounting how he met her, and he starts, you know, I saw this girl, and she had the biggest butt I'd ever seen, mm-hmm. and then he just sort of talks. And and then you know, he sort of rat- and, and it's any poor like this is prime. Sydney Portier, like yes, this is yes. you know two or three years off of to serve with love and and you know for the love of Ivy, Ivy and and you know um, but
0: this is laid back Sydney. It's which laid.
1: You don't see it's laid back, but I'm saying he's like he's an actor, capital A. Yes, sir. So that and he brings that to it. Yeah, and you know and he and he gives all this and, and look at what we've done. We've raised these kids and 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 now we're again we're still together and and he says you know. He says, you know, you had a biggest butt and you still had a biggest butt I'd ever seen. But then he gets really serious and says, you're my queen, Sarah. And it's beautiful. Like you said, it is actually beautiful. But as you said, it's worth mentioning. We have we have a colleague that we've talked about this before, and she was uncomfortable with that part. And I think I think we always have to acknowledge that we're two men. And we have that perspective, mm-hmm. and and certainly I think when we talk about '70s films and, and black and we talk about everything that goes into that, in a lot of ways that black machismo and everything that happened, sisters caught the short end in a lot of the films. Yes, very and much. So I don't read it like that. Like, I read it as very, like you did. I read it as very sweet and very loving. And like you said, it's like it's from a, a different movie. Mm-hmm. It's like Sydney Portier was Sidney Portier. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. You're my queen, Sarah. And it's like, <laughs> Zach, he is talking that stuff right now. But I think, like, you know, it's worth it. Igno- but that also brings me to my greatest defense of women in this film, my girl Leggy Peggy. Leggy Peggy. uh. But as we said, played by Paula Kelly. Mm-hmm. Paula Kelly, they, they meet her in Zenobia's place and come to find out that she's married to this black alderman. But, you know, the thing I like about Leggy Peggy is that Leggy Peggy is part of all these different worlds. Yes. You know, she's part of the quote unquote legitimate world. She's part of the quote unquote underworld. She's not defined by her sexuality, but at the same time, she doesn't run from it Mm -mm. and you know she's just this wonderful character in the film but um but yeah 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 i thought it was i thought it was lovely the way they set up that this is the goal for me and you know the funny thing is as the films go on the films are three films so, so you know start with this and then you have let's do it again a couple of years later and then a year after that you have a piece of the action they steadily as the films go on Turn into what I see a commentary on. So remember, by the third film, uh, Bill Cosby plays. He's a thief, isn't he? Him? No, he's not just a thief. He's a master criminal. Well, thief. yeah, Because yeah. remember, he flips off of walls and does kung fu. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And Sidney Poitier is some type of huge con artist dude who lives in a penthouse and he's using, and you know, always remember. So you go from. Sydney Portier saying, you know, you're my queen, Sarah. And this first one's very sweet, and he's in this, you know, dirty bathrobe, and he's kind of reading the paper. To always remember, it's a scene in a piece of the action where they kidnap his girlfriend.
0: Oh yeah. I remember the yeah. mob,
1: and he's on the phone, said, "Where's my woman?" And they're like, yeah. "Oh, I think Sydney Portier is gonna kick somebody's ass." Like mm. he's turned into super fly. Yeah. So you have all of that.
0: Yeah, you got all of that. <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll get around to reviewing that movie someday. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, that'll be an interesting conversation. But back on, um, Uptown Saturday Night, you're talking about the actors and one of the actors that I want to point out, we talk about Sydney Poitier. He said this is his second directorial job. I thought this was his first.
1: It's his first, um, I don't want to say legitimate one, but this is his first where he actually homed it from the very beginning because he was supposed to direct Buck, well someone else was supposed to direct Buck and the Preacher. Okay. And they stepped out, like there was something happened, and then he stepped, and then Sidney Poitier stepped in. Right, And okay. directed Buck you. and the Preacher. I got you. So technically, well not technically, it is his second film, but this is the one from the very beginning.
0: Right. You know, from they beginning to end. It's, this is his. This is his. Right. 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 Which makes sense because First Artist, he was one of the founders of the First Artist company. So that OK. I did not know that. Yeah. He's one of the ones that went in with a bunch of actors. I can't remember. I, I'll, I'll look at their names and I'll punch it in. Here's the punch. First Artist was a production company that existed from 1969 to 1980. It was founded by Sidney Poitier, along with Paul Newman and Barbara Streisand. And then later on, Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman joined the company. It essentially was a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. So there you go. First artist. Boom. Back to the show. Okay.
1: Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And that also explains why he has so much autonomy and so much power to make all these. I mean, even something like Bucking the Preacher, which if you have is, is a cowboy movie mm. with, with with Sidney Poitier. And, you know, because there's there's something right there. Like there's a little side thing to talk about right there. Black cowboy movies of the 70s. Yeah.
0: You know, so. But um, I wanted to talk about Harry Balafonte. Yes. Yeah. Because I myself, I cannot take away from the the this career of harry belafonte Mm i would i would be i would be flogged in the middle of the street if i did that you might be flogged in this room (laughs) if i could find a flog (laughs) but um he's so funny as Geechee dan Geechee dan buford
1: Geechee dan buford who who does a godfather imitation pretty much the whole thing so he's like this black man pretending to be the godfather and and there's this wonderful physical humor because remember, oh, yeah. he goes through the thing and before he talks, so so Steve and Wardell go and they, to talk to him about what maybe happened with the ticket, and before he can talk, he does some nose stuff and he eats oh, a raw egg he, he
0: cracks a raw wall, wall, egg I mean, he's so meticulous with it, he cracks a, wall, a raw egg, makes sure that, it's, that he cracks it evenly breaks the egg into a saucer then, you know, dips his hand out get the, the egg yolk off his hand Then lifts up the saucer to his, to his face and then he cuts a look at Steve. Then he sucks the raw egg from the, from the saucer, holds it in his mouth, pours himself a shot, drinks the shot so that he can swallow the egg. Then he takes out the nose spray that he sniffs, not one, but both of his nostrils. I mean, and this nose spray, I mean, he literally sticks this thing up. Right, right. This in the stuntman. Yes, it's not a stunt. I mean, man. he eats the egg. Yeah, like he actually eats the egg. Yeah. He, he, a, it, it is. I mean, it was. It was an incredible scene. It, it, it was. It was. It was so funny. Was so the physical humor and timing was so on point. I cannot knock the man for that. Well, you know, it, I think that kind of speaks to
1: what we kind of talked about a little earlier. I think you have these actors, whether we're talking about Sidney Poitier, whether we're talking about Harry Belafonte, whether, I mean, to a certain extent, Bill Cosby at this time, Mm. where where they are these very respectable, very kind of credit to our race. Mm -hmm. And I think throughout this movie, they all just look like they're having a ball. They're having fun. Like they're having fun. And Harry Belafonte, who, you know, I'm not going to go as hard as you are. I will say he's not. Sidney Portier as in as an actor, and he was very good looking. Like I think Harry, that was his thing. Like Harry Belafonte was very good looking, mm-hmm. but he gets to put on the weight, makeup, and and he's got the stuff, and he just gets to have fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I do wonder, like like you know, you read people and and their remembrances of this moment, and and I and I've certainly never read. Like in Sidney Poitier's biography, or at least the one that I read, he doesn't talk about this moment as much. But, you know, you read people like Sammy Davis Jr., you read people like, um, Diane Carroll, you read people like, um, like, um, um, um Roscoe Lee Brown. Yeah. And they talk about how, you know, you're, you're sort of classically trained, you sort of do all this stuff, you, you kind of, you, you know, you, you made all the moves that they told you to make
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a black. Performer, so that mm-hmm. you could be in these spaces, mm-hmm. and it's almost like when you weren't paying attention, this whole other thing happened, yeah, almost yeah. overnight. So it's like you Tuesday you were a credit to your race, and and you were this great vanguard player, and Wednesday you were an old Tom Negro that people came this close to calling you a sellout and and i And I
0: do wonder what that does to your head, yeah, because again it happens you know pretty quickly right because and we say that because the the nation at large, at least the you know african American portion of the nation, was responding very responding very uh responding greatly to movies like shaft and superfly and and and, and uh coffee coffee, coffee. You, know, wow. I think I mean, a, you know all all of those films and in the, in the black cowboy movies and the black kung fu movies they were responding to right. all of that all of that uh that that african-american genre films and you had these these other actors kind of like you said standing on the outside like you know like Still trying to do, not necessarily like do some great prestige stuff, but just trying to do good work. And work, again, you
1: told me for 20 years that you wanted, this is what you wanted me to do. Yes. And by you, black people, like black people told me to do this. And now you're telling me I'm old time. There's actually a wonderful scene in um, Uptown Saturday Night because, um, Richard Pryor, again, yes. we, we we spoke a moment ago. He plays Sharp Eye Washington, the private eye. He's a private detective, and he has this wonderful Richard Pryor rant about everybody thinks that a private eye. And he actually says, you know, you think it's some super nigger shooting cops and, and 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 taking down the mob or and getting the women and getting the women, and it's nothing like that at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's and and it is this. Sort of in-text commentary, yeah very meta on you know what people are seeing in these movies and you know it's another moment where it's almost like this is an entirely different movie happening for these three minutes yes with with, with sharp R Washington and yes. I do wonder how much of that was really going on with these people, you, you know, again, Sidney Poitier, Bill Cosby, Harry Belafonte, you know, again, always saying many. you know, the dudes, that had on the real little suits <laughs> and the skinny ties. Yeah. Real little suit, the real little suit, skinny tie dudes. Right. Clean shaven. Now you look up and here we are. So, you know, I love that part. And I love that, you know, and again, you can watch that again and again. and And, you know, you look at the reviews at the time and it is this sort of. Oh well this is this is sort of frippery and and it doesn't really fit into the moment of
0: the power and the energy. They thought it was frivolous. They thought it was frivolous.
1: Yeah. They thought it was frivolous and I
0: I think it's telling that, you know, while a lot of those other films are still out there, people pull 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 from them, one of the biggest influences in hip hop over the last twenty years got his name from the sequel to this film. And who was that? That would be uh, Christopher Wallace, who aka the notorious B I G. Oh,
1: and, and what is that?
0: AKA Biggie Smalls, which which a name he got from the sequel to this film, Let's Do It Again. Biggie Smalls, the gangster in that film, played by Calvin Lockhart. Calvin Lockhart, who is also Silky Slim. Silky Slim in this film. Calvin Lockhart I've always thought this, but rewatching this film, I am ready to declare is the coolest man that's ever appeared.
1: My wife makes me very uncomfortable when she watches Calvin Lockhart. Really? She has the biggest crush on Calvin Lockhart. Nineteen seventy two Calvin Lockhart. You can't tell. This this dude from the Bahamas. From the Bahamas. Smooth. Smooth comes in, makes an entrance, sort of telling he didn't become a bigger star.
0: It is. It it is. And again, it's a shame because this is another uh, gentleman, like you say, classically trained. Absolutely. Uh, um, did did years in the Royal Shakespeare Theatre. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, brought Shakespeare back to his hometown. You know, back to the Bahamas. Um, and, and an incredible, intense. Uh, it is. It is a shame that his career didn't didn't flourish, more.
1: You know what one of his last roles was? I'm not going to say the last role, because you have to be careful with something declarative like the. But you know what you know one of his last roles was? What? Remember, he played the Jamaican posse drug lord in um, Predator 2.
0: Oh, wow. That, yeah, that was his next. Uh, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Jesus Christ. Um, the 80s, when Jamaican posses were the bad guys
1: that people didn't like. And you could tell people wrote it who had never actually met anyone from Jamaica.
0: Of course. Of course. Um, Predator 2, is that a black film?
1: Oh, I think Predator, you know what? Predator 2 is actually one of my triggers.
0: <laughs> I, need to, I need to step back. I love Predator, I'm
1: a huge, huge, unapologetic Predator 2 fan. Okay. Like, to the point, and I don't want to get us off track, I'm going to go on record, I think Predator 2 is better than Predator. Boom. I said it. That's my truth. I'm sitting in my truth. Ayala Van Zandt would be
0: proud of me. <laughs> she, would. <laughs> she would. She would. As you sit there and marinate all in that <laughs> but juicy truth of yours. Um, but uh, the reason why I say Calvin Lockhart is the coolest man ever to step in front of a film, he makes two entrances in this film. Yes. One, he's hidden behind the mask. And even it's he has all black from head to toe, black stocking mask around his face. Holding a, holding a, a gun, black turtleneck or black slacks, black boots.
1: Because he robs
0: Zenobia. Because he robs, he's the Zenobia. One that robs Zenobia. And even oh. still, I mean, he just looks like, he just looks like the coolest shadow in the world. I mean, like, he's just so fly. But on top of that, he makes a scene er, later. He cuts the deal with Geechee Dan.
1: You're leaving too soon. You're leaving too soon from Zenobius.
0: What? what? You got you to say his two sons is Zenobius. Oh, okay. Never have. No,
1: that's not even the first one. What are you talking about? He tells everybody to take their clothes off. Oh, that's
0: right. Everyone, strip down to your underwear. Make sure nobody's wearing it either. You got to gotta have that raster. And then the sister says, but I don't wear underwear. I don't care.
1: Strip down. And she takes her dress off. And you don't see it, but she's butt naked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lord, have Lord mercy. Have mercy. <laughs> no, no. Lord, have mercy. And I don't think a man has ever responded to a naked woman the way Silky Slim responded to that woman taking off her dress.
0: And the beautiful thing about it, is, like you say, they don't show it. Right, You see her pull the dress over her shoulders, but right. that's it. They don't even, like, hint at cleavage or anything Right, like nothing, that. nothing. But the way that he delivers that line, you see it. Right. You see her. Right. And you're like, yeah. You don't see shit. You're you, like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm living off of that one.
1: And then on his way out, he says. Never have so, so few owed so much to so many. Here it is.
0: Yeah. That was, that was And then the second entrance. His second entrance is when he makes a deal with Geechee Dan. And all his boys come walking in one at a time. Wherein, at the time, I can only assume the flyest threads. That's what they called them back then. Threads. Yeah, yeah. The finest threads available. Because they've got all types of colors, mm-hmm. all types of fabrics going. But then he comes in after taking a pause in the doorway. So that the light can, like, hit him just off to the side. So he can walk out of the shadow. That's right. He has a suede vest that goes down to his knees. Yes. He's got a collared shirt. The collar, it may be larger than Batman's cape. (laughs) And he's got, he's got, like this gold chain where i think he literally has the original sphinx <laughs> as his charm but then because in the day in back in this day he has a satchel as one does as one does in these days to hold your accessories yes now another word for satchel
1: it's purse. We're not going. We're not going to use that word, though.
0: You can't use that certainly word. not in
1: 1974. Certainly not with Calvin Lockhart. Certainly not with Calvin. Lockhart. You know what I do also like about that scene, though, and this kind of speaks to my whole. I mean, sort of why we're here and what we do. I think when we talk about the 70s and when we talk about 70s movies, right, and certainly when we talk about black 70s movies, you think everyone is just wearing ridiculous clothes. From begin, you know, top to bottom, like the mailman comes up and he has on some high heels with mm-hmm. some goldfish in it. And I think what Calvin Lockhart's character in this and in um Let's, Let's do, do It, it again, again, where he plays uh Biggie, Small. Biggie Smalls, is that they show you he represents youth. Yes. You know, like the older black cast. Wears quote unquote regular clothes.
0: Yeah, Geechee Dan, who's the, the old school gangster, so right. got on it. Got on the pinstripe, you know, uh, uh, three piece right. suit. Right, right. And right. you know, and again, Steve and Wardell are just
1: regular dudes. Just regular they just dudes. regular working dudes. So right. they wear you know jeans and shirts. But Biggie Smalls, I mean, I'm in this case, Silky Slim is cutting edge. And he's young, so he wears cutting edge fashion. Yes. So even though this is 1974, the only one who dresses like we in 2016, and you think about how people dress in the 70s, would be Silky Slim.
0: He is the only man
1: <laughs>
0: who could get away who with it. Who could pull it off? Yeah. No, I mean, because as much as other all the other guys that are kind of like trying to like appropriate close to his fashion sense in there, because they're his guys. They look okay. They look right. reasonably comfortable in their, in their in their gear. But this man, he's got a satchel, and you're like, you know who he I is? want a satchel.
1: You know who he is? Who is he? He's, he's, he's Purple Rain era Prince. No, you know who he and is? And everybody else is Brown Mark. Like, you know how you look at Prince in the Revolution, and Prince has his stuff on, and it just looks because it's Prince. It's like, okay, that's Prince stuff. But then he has Brown Mark wearing that stuff, and it's like, Brown Mark, why are you dressed like
0: that? You look ridiculous. Calvin Lockhart is the Equis man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's who he is. There you go. That's who he is. He's a bad as a bad, bad man. There you Cal- go. Like, you shouldn't even you shouldn't even don't take the the rap name Biggie Smalls and 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 the rap name Silky Slim or Geechee Dan and all that other stuff. Little Weezy. If I'm gonna be a rapper, what's my rap name? Calvin Lockhart. Calvin Lockhart. Come come cooler than that.
1: Come cooler than that. So you are actually Calvin Lockhart. I am actually Calvin Lockhart. It's not a bad name. But not a nice. bad not a bad name at all. So you have Calvin Lockhart represents one end of the spectrum. As we talked about, you know they're chasing the MacGuffin and they're going from place to place. You have Roscoe Lee Brown. Uh, the, uh, the alderman. As the alderman. And and you know, we, we just a moment ago we talked about how you have all these sort of, you know, gradations, if you will, of black life. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got the young gangster, so you got the old gangster, so you got the working man. Then you have the alderman who has to operate in both of these worlds. Yeah. You you know, he's <laughs> an alderman, <laughs> so he's so he's <laughs> a politician, so and, and this it's a wonderful scene where he's sitting in his office and he's wearing a suit. And and he's so, got the
0: picture of uh, Gerald Ford, Ger- president at the time, because
1: he's the president. And his and the secretary comes in and says, you know, some people are here to see you. And he says, oh, are they from the mayor's office? And then she says, no. And he, says, I think he says, like, are they from the newspaper? Yes. And and she says, no. And 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 she says, I think they're just regular, just people. regular people. And he says, oh, constituents, voters. <laughs> and then he does this comical. Thing where he goes around the room and he turns the picture around. There's Malcolm X on the other side. He puts on a dashiki and then he puts on some really stereotypical kind of African music. Yeah, you yeah, the tribal, <laughs> the, the tribal music, and then they come and he
0: says, "Brothers, <laughs> brothers, we we got a problem. To <laughs> us, we do. Yes, but
1: you know, and it's it's all funny. But I think just as a snapshot." It it was this moment. It was like the first days of integration. Yeah. And you had people trying to figure this out. Like, I work in this world. I live in this world. What's it mean to be this? What does it mean to be that? How do I kind of negotiate it? Right. And it's funny, but it's like, oh, you know, this is something that this is a scene that you couldn't have any other time. Yeah. Like 10 years before, 10 years after this you couldn't have this particular scene with him flipping the picture over right because that's where black folks were and then again you know we talked about a little earlier you have peggy leggy is his wife Mm -hmm. and she comes in and she talks about he's the one that told her about Zenobia's, and and i thought i said i wanted to be around my people and i thought he was going to take me to a play or a ballet or something which you know worth noting I, i said i wanted to be around my people I thought he was going to take me to a play or ballet because my people are at plays and ballets too exactly. in 1974. Like it's no big deal. Instead, he takes me to Zenobia's and come to find out he's a founding member right, and this, right, that, and right, other. Right, yeah. And you have where he is uncomfortable because
0: he already ran the game that he didn't know anything about the Zenobia's. Right,
1: Paula Kelly's character. Is comfortable in all these different worlds, which, you know, again, that's like Paula Kelly. Without Kelly's, changing her. Without yet. changing without her. putting on any airs. She's the like same that. in the office. Like when she walks in the office, she's like, hey, baby. And it's like, this is who she is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's this wonderful, transcendent. Why, yes, I did have a crush on Paula Kelly. Why did you ask? Um, <laughs> character in this movie. <laughs> but she is. As Zenobia's in Alderman's office, Paula Kelly is the same
0: person. <laughs> yes, she is the same person. <laughs> Stuck on a wall over your bed. Hey, your 10-year-old hey. bed. Also, you should probably mention Flip Wilson. Yeah, now Flip Wilson is probably at the height of his powers at this time. Mm-hmm. His show is on the air. Uh, No, or did it just go off the air? I think it just went off. It just went off But he was still Flip Wilson. But he was still Flip Wilson. Right. And it it had gone off the air, in in his mind, to kind of like try and parlay more into movies and stuff. So, you know, which is why he gets – Third billing in this play, in this movie, which he really just has an extended cameo. Right, on. he's in two scenes. He's in two scenes, and one in the second scene is pretty much him going up there and doing uh, doing right his doing stand his, r- his stand-up routine. Uh, a little long, uh, I, I should add. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan of Flip Wilson. I, mm-hmm. I, I am. I, I'm a fan of Flip Wilson. I think more so for his place in history. In Hollywood history and in television history, as opposed to his work. I found him funny, of course, when I watched him at the time. Now I watch some of this stuff, and it's, it's okay. It's not, you know.
1: Right, does nature yeah, as well. But, yeah. you
0: know, his show, again,
1: is just, groundbreaking. And it's this wonderful snapshot yes. of this sort of transitional period. Like, mm-hmm. you would look, and it'd be like Mom's Mabley and Richard Pryor. Right on the same episode.
0: Yeah, uh, of the Flip Wilson, the show. Flip
1: Wilson show, and you, you know, so you really did see how things transitioned. Yeah, from yeah. the old guard to the new guard, right? And you know, trying to, you know, kind of dealing with that. When I talk, about, like one of my things that I like when these seventies movies, I'm fascinated by the old guard mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, Moms Mabley, you know, one of my you know, favorite is a strong word, but but a, a movie I really like. She has a movie called Amazing Grace, oh yeah, which you know it's basically a Medea movie, yeah, made in nineteen seventy five. But Moms he plays the Medea character, pretty much, and again, it's just one of these. Like we talk about the seventies, and you know, you do Shaft, you do Superfly, you, you know, if you do a deep album cut, you might do some Pam Greer stuff, but there was all of this really funky. Weird kind of stuff that got to be made. Yeah, and and you know it's like you, you catch it and it's like wow that's that was interesting. So yeah, Mom's we,
0: um It's interesting we you got three generations of comedians. Because we did we we, we didn't mention um, Harry Nicholas. Oh yeah, the, that's uh, uh, C- the Nicholas brothers. Yeah, the
1: Nicholas brothers talking about the old guard, but go ahead. Go Little, ahead.
0: C- Little Seymour, definitely, and a, 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 a scene stealing cameo. Uh, of his own. Yes. In yes. This,
1: in this film. Bill Cosby said he's the
0: fastest, hardest
1: hitting, black colored man of Negro descent I've ever seen because they go in there talking smack and.
0: And it's a memorable scene where Bill Cosby has to like finagle his way through this. Bill Cosby has a couple of uh, very great comedic scenes in here where he has to call upon, which is pretty much his act when he does storytelling, he has to basically at least two times tell stories married with his facial expressions and his timing is so funny so timeless that it's a shame that something like this which possibly is the best movie that he's ever been a part of because um, I would think, say that this is better than Let's Do It Again. I would say. Uh, oh, it's definitely better than those three.
1: And, and anything about his movie career is. is um,
0: I, what's the I, one with Raquel Welch? Oh, mother, mother, Judge mother, Jugs, mother, mother Jugs and Speed. Yeah, yeah this is, that, yeah. that doesn't hold
1: up at all. Hotel California. I mean, his movie work has always been
0: spotty. And Hotel, yeah, and Hotel California is an ensemble, right? So you right, can't really right. Say that's a yeah. Cosby thing. It, it's a shame that this work. It's now gets um, kind of like bundled in there with what do you do with Bill Cosby in your mind? But before we go there, let's let's kind of like wrap up the talk on, right. the, on the movie itself. OK. All right. By answering this question. We both love the movie. Yes. Part of our love of it is that because we did fall in love with it at the points in our lives that we did, mm-hmm. We our enjoyment Kind of blinds us to some of the faults of okay. the film, like like the story is like like you, we talk about the whole the whole lottery that you know he realizes is in the wallet. Right. Well, you would have thought that that would have been touched on in the beginning of the movie, but it's not. The lottery ticket doesn't come out uh, doesn't come up until after the wallet is stolen. That's when you realize that, oh, there's a lottery ticket inside the wallet. Nobody, it they, had never been mentioned before. This, this is what I lean on with that. They didn't mention that they had socks on either
1: at any point. Oh, come on. Wait a Vince. minute. <laughs> I, Lynn, Lynn, I don't know about your experience, <laughs> but I will say this. During that period, mm-hmm. I just felt like everybody I knew played the, like everybody I knew had a lottery ticket in their mm-hmm. pocket. Mm-hmm. Now, Again, mm-hmm. my experience isn't necessarily universal, mm-hmm. but everybody everybody I knew played the number in nineteen seventy. They didn't even call it the lottery. They played the number. They played the numbers. Yeah. And you combinate it. <laughs> Or you box it. I mean, is, that, is that's, that's crazy talk. Again, you should never mistake your
0: experience for the universal. Yeah, but, okay, obviously I was correct. that You are blind <laughs> to certain <laughs> certain
1: faults of this film. And when I hit the number, you don't get to come. Actually, I know we, we, we might be running along now. My godfather was seeing a woman. Mm-hmm. And she was a big lot. You ever know these people who hit the lottery all the time? Yep. But like for but like for little numbers, yeah. like yeah. hit like five thousand dollars and then they have like a party. Yep. That was my godfather's lady. Really? She hit the number all the time. <laughs> and somehow something happened. She asked me what I dreamed about. And I said something. Sometimes I dreamed about something monkeys or something. And she had a dream book. Oh, geez. And played it. Oh, you never heard of the Dream Book? No, I know the Dream Book. And dream she dream played book. the number from the Dream Book and hit. And for years after that, she would every time she'd see me, "This is what you dream about last night." And I'd tell her. And if she hit the number, she slipped me twenty dollars.
0: That's a true story. Well, that twenty dollars <laughs> broke you off. She hand yeah. off on of your dream. Anyway, I just assumed everybody played the lottery in uh, nineteen seventy-four. That's, that's, that's a lot of assumption yeah. on your part. Okay, but
1: but, but, but fair point. It is a MacGuffin. It is, you know, you see the artifice of the story, and it really does get them from point A to point B to point C, chasing after this ticket. Yeah. I'll, I'll grant you that.
0: Yeah, and and as a director, Sidney Poitier is a very talented actor. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he does not he does not need to direct. This
1: this is not, I think, part of the reason that Superfly and Shaft and Sweet Sweetback. Have the sort of critical acclaim that they do is that these are directors, yes, and you can look at the at the the blocking and the use of light and and I mean these these are real cats Mm -hmm. who are you know so but I I think that's fair. You're right. That being said,
0: do you think the film holds up?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think I think I think the performances the performances in the particular pieces are strong enough. That it holds together. I think I think the the chemistry. I think the chemistry between Sidney Portier and Bill Cosby is amazing. Like these are these are two players that you want to spend time with, mm-hmm. and and you enjoy their company. I think you, you know Sidney. Po- I think Sidney Portier's gravity and and sort of you, you know stature kind of permeates whatever he's in. I think the, the sort of, the kinetic energy you get with 70s Bill Cosby. Right. Is, 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 is infectious. Like you said, you can watch, because he has a scene like that in, and I think all three of the movies. Pretty much, yeah. Where he has to talk his way out of something. Right. And they're hypnotic. I mean, I mean, you know, Bill Cosby is a master storyteller. Mm-hmm. So that, I absolutely think that it holds up. I, I grant you that nostalgia colors thing, but, but you know, I'll say this just to keep it relevant. I don't think nostalgia colors my view of Uptown Saturday Night any more than it colors people's view of the original Star Wars. Granted. You know, another yeah, film you. with, you know, it's highly entertaining. But, you know, once you start to look at the pieces of this thing, it's like, ooh. Yeah. So.
0: And it's amazing that Star Wars is only three years after this movie. Well, you know, again, you, you know, you talk about the 70s. And this
1: this moment and it's pretty much generally agreed upon that Star Wars and Jaws put the kibosh on all of this. Yeah. Like, you know, we're talking about the black movies, but you talk about the art house films at the time. You talk about, you know, those really amazingly visionary science fiction films like it really was. They let the kids run the house Mm -hmm. and then somebody made some real money. Yeah, and they start building theaters in the suburbs like you know it's a whole thing about you know the theaters were just in the city so you know nobody was trying to go in the city and it was just like black people and white hippies and people so they were going to the movies so you can make movies for them but yeah they Star Wars three years later I mean, yeah like you said that put the kibosh on
0: all of this like trying to answer the question of whether or not it holds up I don't know whether or not the audiences of today and I'm talking about audiences that are in their 20s and early 30s, I don't know whether or not they have the um, attention span to deal with this movie. Not that it's a slow movie. It jumps right in pretty much Mm -hmm. into the story. But it is slower. It's it's certainly a slower pace than what they're looking at. It's certainly not a joke per minute. I mean, um, and it it is it is of the time where the movies and television were about you know good movies and television were about building the characters and letting the comedy come from the characters as opposed to the jokes the reason why Bill Cosby scenes of him doing those stories sell is yes because of Bill Cosby but also because of the character Wardell that he creates and you can right. see Wardell having to you know pull him pull him and Steve out of the frying pan with these stories right. you know and i don't know whether or not the the audiences of today would have that attention span for it. I I could be wrong. I still think it's. I still think it's a very good movie. Sure. Uh, is it a is it a great movie? No. Is it an entertaining movie? Yes.
1: But if you go in expecting a Kevin Hart, a Will um
0: Will Will Smith?
1: No, not Will Smith. You know who I mean? Anchorman.
0: Oh, Will Will Ferrell. I mean. Um, yeah,
1: Will Ferrell. Right, The movie in it's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I think it's not that. Right. I mean, it's it is very much a product. Of course, have you ever watched Aliens with somebody under the age of thirty? Yeah, they, they,
0: it's, it, cool, they, they, it's like come on, there's nothing happening. Exactly. So. To them, yeah. Right. But let's talk about the elephant in the let's room. Let's talk about
1: the elephant in the room. Bill, Cot- what you got to say? You want to say something? You want me to say something?
0: Well, here's what I here's what I want right. to say.
1: You say something.
0: Um, you know, it, it, it's it's out there what Bill, you know, Bill Cosby's history. Yes. now. Now, um, the rumors have always been out there, and now th- there's been some certainly some some facts, or at least uh, allegedly some facts coming behind a lot of those rumors. And it looks like, you know, Bill Cosby has he he's been up to some stuff, and he's been up to some stuff going back a ways, even back into these days from if. if, if if it's to be believed, which does make it hard to um, separate that man, uh, the entertainment that he put out. The movies, it, it's hard to. The television, is hard to. It's even more so for me, because I'm a bigger fan, comedy and his stand-up, because his comedy and his stand-up was always presented as so much of a of representation of him. Right. So then to hear like, you know, oh, hey, this is you. Like, no, well, maybe this is you.
1: Right.
0: And you don't want to be too judgmental because everybody's got demons. Let's be honest. If, if they shine a, a light on everybody, on all of us, there'll be some stuff people will be like, yo, right. that's not the Vince I know. But it, 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 it does make it hard because I have such a deep devout love for this film. I do find it hard to separate the the movie from the man. I was able to do it to a degree, but then at some points you feel guilty for doing it. Mm. You know, especially some of the scenes where he's kind of like flirting with girls, or when he walks in when they both walk into Madame Zenobia because of more sure. no experience and they're kind of like checking out all the girls in there. You know, and. and you know, first of all, the jokes are right in itself. When you see it, Bill Cosby, sure. it's like, hey, hey you, you know where you at, Bill. You know what's up. But also, it's, it, it does make it a little disturbing for me. It makes it hard. See,
1: you know, and I think it's it's really appropriate we're talking about it with Uptown Saturday Night. I'm glad you said that the comedy was harder because his his comedy was always a reflection of him. I, I think when, when I look at the whole deal, I think what we're really talking about is people fell for an okey-doke. Mm. that bill cosby sold like you look at bill cosby you know he starts you, you know what like like the comedy like there were always comedy audiences and people who knew comedy knew him but when you talk about you know him as the star you got to start with a spot because he's on television and everyone sees him and he's like i'm bill cosby and i'm playing walter scott a road scholar speaks several languages and i know kung fu And everyone said, yeah, but, you know, Bill Cosby isn't a Rhodes Scholar. He don't (laughs) know Kung Fu. He's not, you know, and he's all right. And then he makes, you know, he transitions to the Bill Cosby show. I'm Chet Kincaid. Um, Gym coach, right? I'm a gym coach. I live in the Bay Area. I do my thing. And people say, okay, but Bill Cosby isn't a gym teacher. Mm -hmm. He doesn't live in the Bay Area. He doesn't do his thing. So it's a role. Bill Cosby, Fat Albert, you know, I hang out in a junkyard, I paint and I hang out with these cartoon kids, people. Oh, Bill Cosby don't live in a junkyard and hang out with kids. Then you have himself, which, as you said, reflection of his life. You know, you see himself. you go to the Cosby show where the first two episodes are like the
0: act. Yeah, which are basically Bill Cosby himself, you know. And you
1: start out. to see, you know, for a lot of different reasons, you know, it Reagan era 80s and and it was lucrative and respectability. And he starts telling us that Bill Cosby is Huxtable. Right. But if you love Bill Cosby, like, I, you know, not to be that guy, like I never fell for that. Like, I never, I always knew Bill Cosby and Cliff Huxtable were two different entities yeah. because I've been loving Bill like you know for,
0: for so, so long we, we've right.
1: joked about it before I love because Bill Cosby has a beard in this movie hell <laughs> of a beard I love beard Bill Cosby because this is seven early 70s Bill Cosby he's in between stuff and he's just doing like he's straight Philly Bill Cosby and I right. lo- like this is my favorite Bill Cosby so I never for one moment said Bill Cosby is Cliff Huxtable right. and even You know, um, Joseph, and I forget his last name, but but the, the guy who played Denise's husband.
0: Actor Joseph C. Phillips played Denise's husband, Martin Kendall. That would be Lieutenant Martin Kendall on The Cosby Show. Back to the show.
1: It's not important, but he he wrote something like last year when he was talking about us and he talked about all the beautiful women and the beautiful young women who would be on the set. And I've said for years, one of my favorite games, me and my wife, we watch reruns of the Cosby show, spot the model. Mm. And you look in the background and it's like five foot eleven <laughs> bangers just wandering around like where are you? And it's like, what is happening on the set of the Cosby show? Right, right, right. So for me, it's much easier for me to separate the two because I never went along with the, you know, we'll pull up your pants and, and, and you shouldn't curse and do this. And, and, and I'm Cliff Huxtable and Cliff Huxtable thinks that you need to be a responsible human being. And I'm just like, yeah, but Cliff Huxtable is, is a made up Character, Like, this right. isn't a real thing. Like, like, again, y- you're not a karate man that that was a road scholar. And you aren't a gym teacher. Mm-hmm. You're also not an obstetrician. Mm-hmm. you you, Bill Cosby. And I love you. And I love what you do. But, you know, let's keep
0: things in perspective. Yeah, those degrees are honorary. No, no, he earned, yeah, his, earned, he
1: earned his EDD. I mean, there's controversy about how much, but you know, at, at this point, I think the long knobs are out. Like I think, <laughs> that's true. you know, I think, which is the other thing that has been sort of fascinating to me about the Bill Cosby thing. Like you can tell that's been laying in the cut. And I'm not talking about the women. Oh no. I'm no. talking about other comedians. I'm talking about other people from there. Like you can tell people been laying in the cut for 25 years waiting for him to slip. Yeah. And so, you know, it's I say all of that to say, I don't want to be one of those people like like you know, like the great defense of some someone who has done horrific things is, yeah, but he did horrific things too, you know. I do Miles Davis, I do David Bowie, mm. I do uh Rudyard Kipling, one of my favorite writers. Mm. He didn't think I was he didn't think I was a human being. Amen. You know Bill Cosby. I, th- I think I think the Cosby Show is very difficult. The Cosby Show. The Cosby yeah. Show is very
0: difficult because he began. Because
1: again, you know, certainly after after the first season, it really was the. I mean, you know, Camille is on the show sometimes in the stand. Like it really was. Yeah. This yeah. And, and and he did it on purpose. Like yeah. he blur- so it's like. He blurred that line. He blurred that. He purposefully blurred that line. And again, I think it was a lot going on in the 80s where, where you know, there were a lot of different camps that wanted this to be right. I think you had, type, you know, certain black people who wanted, we love this respectable image of black people and it's a family and they're professional. And then you had a lot of white people who were like, you know, well, look at them. If y'all would just do what you're like supposed them. to do, you could be like them. Right. And And, you know, So you had this perfect storm, and then whatever you believed happened, I think we can all agree it was sketchy. It was sketchy at, you know, Venn diagram, him, issues of power, issues of this, issues of consent, him, I think he's a horrific human being, he did these things. That Venn diagram, the part that both cover up, like people can't see me if I'm doing my hands on top of each other, (laughs) but the part that both of it covers... This was real sketchy yeah. and real skeevy. Yeah, artists oftentimes are sketchy and skeevy. That's my Bill Cosby thing, and you know, Here's a, here, it, I think it'll be an ongoing conversation.
0: It's going to be an ongoing conversation because, like you said, artists are often, you know, like skeevy, and and you know, you you pull away the layers and you see some type, you you, you find some type of stuff. The difference with a lot of a lot of artists, and it certainly is not all. But the difference with a lot of artists that are like that, they own it. And that's the difference. Well, that's I mean, that's why. Look, that's why people are pissed at Bill Cosby.
1: A, he's a hypocrite. uh, Allegedly. B, let's just call it. I I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and they said, it's the OJ thing. Like you have this black person that white America said, we're going to give you a pass. We're going to give you a membership card. You want us. And look what you did with it. Mm. Look what you did with it. We gave you a path. If Jim Brown had killed two white women, people wouldn't have been as angry as Jim Brown as they were as O.J. Simpson. No. If Eddie Murphy had done what Bill Cosby allegedly has done or Richard Pryor had done, people would it would not be this level of venom. No. Like it really is. You It is a people view it as a betrayal. Right. Like, how dare you? I let you in my kitchen. It's a complicated thing.
0: It's very complicated.
1: And it's sad. I was heavy sighing the whole time. <laughs> I've been heavy. I mean,
0: it's, it's heavy sigh. It's, it's a heavy sigh. It's a heavy sigh. Right. It's a heavy sigh. Let us know what, uh, you know, how heavy your sigh is. <laughs> Let us know what you feel about, uh, um, Bill Cosby, Uptown Saturday Night. Whether or not you think that this is Harry Belafonte's best starring role. <laughs> um, whether or not you think Calvin Lockhart is, in fact, the coolest man to ever be in front of the camera. And whether or not you have a copy of a long forgotten but dearly treasured poster of Paula Kelly mm. from uh, probably, Peggy. probably from like a 1975 jet that um, – or maybe like – maybe you get a picture of her because she actually – um uh was on Broadway a lot of times. And so oh, I knew she was on Broadway. I know you I know you do. So maybe we we'll You find, know we're Facebook friends. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> I bet I bet you are. And she has that restraining order <laughs> <laughs> renewed for the tenth time. Um hit us up. The email is michellemission at gmail.com Leave comments and movies that you want to see us review on uh at Twitter at mission Michaud. Or on, or leave your comments on SoundCloud or iTunes and every place a good podcast be. That's where you're going to find the Michelle mission. Next up. It's your turn to pick. It's my turn to it's pick. It's your turn to pick. I had a movie all picked out, but because you went 70s, I want to be a little, I want to, I want to do something, I want to do something for the kids. Okay. So our next film. Straight out of Compton. Will be straight out of Compton. Are you serious? Yes, yeah, it's gonna be straight out. Of Compton. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. All right, so we'll do straight out. We'll do straight out of Compton. That will be next on the Michelle Mission. We didn't say where can you find Uptown Saturday Night. Oh, you can find Uptown Saturday Night. Actually, you can. Uh, you get it at a lot, at almost any video store. But if you want to go real, real inexpensive, uh, Amazon, you can buy it from Amazon for like $10. Okay. Or you can rent the digital copy for $3.
1: Okay. You can
0: rent it right there on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Uh, and, and get in and watch it in, in pristine HD, where as close to HD as they have it. I, I actually I don't even think it's in HD. I don't think they made the conversion. I'm sorry, it's a, it's a church film, but it's not that treasure. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, but it still still looks great on the flat screen um, flat screen TV. So that's where you can find Uptown Saturday Night. Our next film will be straight out of Compton, which is out. In a DVD and Blu-ray re- release right now. Okay. So you can actually go and pick that up. Um, or, you know, if you got an Uncle Lefty. Don't do that. Don't do that. Support the art. Support the art. We don't – we don't – we don't – we don't um, – we don't do that. We don't support bootlegs here. Right. Um, th- that's one thing we do want to g- get out there. We want to show you where where you can get these films. We don't do bootlegs. Support we, the art. Support the art. You got to. We want you to support us, so we're going to support them. All right? So this is Len. This is Vincent. And you have been on the Michelle mission. We'll talk to you next time.